lack of scientific evidence argument. So this is an argument the insurance company would put forth. We can't possibly cover that because there is a lack of scientific evidence. What do you say to that? If you want to look up research studies, you go to the website PubMed. Yes. If you go to PubMed and type in complementary medicine, meaning which is an umbrella of all different natural medicine, Mm -hmm. you will find 32,629 clinical studies and meta-analysis studies on complementary medicine, including 1,307 from the last 10 years. Hmm. So there, there is some research there. Yes. Some things are more than others. So, for instance, pretty much all of your different herbs and vitamins have been studied extensively over the years. Which is funny because I don't know that people know that. Right, right. So one of my favorite herbs that I use a lot in my practice is an herb called ashwagandha. If you go to that same PubMed and do a search for ashwagandha, You'll find that there are 42 clinical studies and nine meta-analysis studies that have all happened since 2000. You're listening to Take On Healthcare with Ted Suzellis and Mary Sheehan. Ted is a naturopathic doctor who has been helping people in Northeast Ohio for over 20 years to live a happier and healthier life through natural healthcare including dietary advice, vitamins, herbs, and other natural substances. Mary is a full-time pharmacist who also helps leaders in healthcare suffering with anxiety and depression integrate the best parts of traditional and alternative medicine. On this podcast, Dr. Ted and Mary take on the question of health insurance. Why aren't alternative therapies covered by insurance? Listen to find out. So today we're taking on holistic therapies, the truth about insurance coverage. And Ted, I'm sure you get this question all the time, considering your licensure and where you practice. Why don't you take insurance? So some of what are considered alternative or holistic therapies are covered by insurance. I remember when I wanted prenatal chiropractic visits, and that's something that I think would be covered now, but they weren't covered then. And it would seem like ridiculous to me at the time that they weren't covered. I know things are changing in that area. Now, chiropractic care across the board is covered. But those chiropractors had to fight for that to get coverage. And I'm sure some of them wonder, why did we fight so hard for that? I'm not sure if that's (laughs) a good thing. But when we think about the covered therapies, what are the top covered by standard insurance alternative therapies? Right. So first... We have to list out the most mainstream natural therapies, oh, which yeah. ones would be covered, mm-hmm. which would be chiropractic, acupuncture, massotherapy, and naturopathic medicine. So with chiropractic, 91% of the major insurance companies cover chiropractic for 15 to 25 visits. Um, acupuncture is much, much less. It's at about 32% of those insurance firms will cover it for 20 visits. Massage therapy goes down to 17%. And that's typically only if physical therapy and medications haven't worked. Mm. And then naturopathic medicine, it really comes down to the state. In the states where we're licensed, 12 of them have in their scope where they're able to bill insurance. So the rest of the states don't. And so 
their insurance is a lot more likely to cover naturopathic doctors in those states. And in some of those states, there are laws that naturopathic medicine has to be covered the same as conventional medicine. Oh, wow. I didn't know that, that they put laws in place. So even... Trying to eat in the playing field. Yes. And I also didn't realize that even if it is covered, like acupuncture being covered, but then they limit the visits. Right. And that's something that people should look into as well when they decide on something like acupuncture and they're excited because it's covered to then talk to the, okay, how many sessions do you anticipate? Right. But it also comes down to, it's that's similar to different other types of therapies, physical therapy, speech therapy. Uh, When we had our oldest son, he's done speech therapy his whole life. But when he was young and we were trying to use insurance to cover his speech therapy, they gave like 20 visits. For a year? For the year. Okay. It doesn't seem like a lot. No. And unbeknownst to us, those visits started accruing as we were paying our deductible. Oh. So basically it helped to write down the charge so that they had the negotiated rate. So it was, wasn't the full rate. It was the negotiated insurance rate. But then that cover, that was one of the visits. So by the time we reached our deductible, we didn't have any visits left. Wow. So we had bumped up our insurance to have a lower deductible so that we could try to use it for the therapy and it just didn't even work. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So then what did you do? You paid out of pocket. We just kept paying out of pocket. Exactly. Right. Because that's what you do. Yeah. If your child needs something. Exactly. Yes. So in my world, like in the traditional pharmacy world, if the insurance company won't pay for a certain, say, branded medication, unless the prescriber and the patient has tried and failed other things. So there's like, in my world, that we can get a prior authorization, meaning we can fight with the insurance company over a certain kind of medication to get covered. So we see like that happening, which as I've seen more and more of that happening as the years of my practicing go by, I see it puts much more power in the hands of the insurance companies mm-hmm. than Because they're making the decision about, at least in my world, what's covered and what's not. And I think that's true, too, for certain other kinds of therapies. Somebody else is deciding, not a patient, not a healthcare practitioner. Somebody else is prescribing something. But that also comes down to why there's very few independent doctors these days. That is so true. Because I remember reading a study several years ago where like 25 to 50% of the money that a doctor's office brings in is gone towards trying to get the insurance reimbursement. Wow. Really? Yeah. So if you're with a big hospital system that has departments of people to do that, then you can get better reimbursement because you don't have to have the manpower in your small little office to do it. So it's like a a layer of complexity that feels really unnecessary. But at the same time, I can see if it was just whatever, whenever, things could get out of hand. Right. I just wonder if the checks and balances can be, I don't know, simpler and maybe done by peers instead of bureaucrats. Yeah, I don't know that there's an answer. Back in the 80s to the early 90s, doctors weren't in such check. And then they, they were running everything, any test they possibly could think of, so they didn't miss anything. They weren't thinking about the bottom line. Right. 
And and healthcare is a business. Yeah. It is. And we I think we I think if we understand that, we healthcare providers and the patients understand that we can at least have it in proper perspective. Right. So that we understand it and then we can make more informed choices. That there's really no escaping the financial piece of it because right. we do spend a lot of money on healthcare in this country. People, what is it the number one cause of bankruptcy in, in Amer- for Americans is healthcare expenses. Right. So the money is tied to it. We're not definitely. we're definitely not getting around that. So okay, so let's just say we have something that is quote unquote covered by your insurance company. So let's talk a little bit about reimbursement rates. Right. Yeah. So where it sounded kind of good that yeah, some of these therapies were covered under mm-hmm. insurance. Then when you look at the reality, a lot less. So there was a study from the Journal of American of Journal of Alternative and Complementary Medicine. And with acupuncture, it was 77% lower than primary regular conventional medicine of actually getting covered. So even though, so even though the insurance co- the insurance oh. covers it, the charges were seventy seven percent less likely of actually getting covered. So it's covered, but it's not covered. Well, <laughs> approved, I should approved. say. Approved, okay. approved. So they can play that game too, right? So people need to be aware. They of that. got denied. Yeah, oh. chiropractic is like seventy two percent less. And then naturopathic medicine is 64% less reimbursement. In states that you're a naturopath is right up there at the primary care physician. Yes. Oh, and sometimes, too, people have to fill out forms themselves Mm -hmm. to get reimbursed for things. The reimbursement is different than, yeah, than actual insurance coverage. Okay. So if, if it's someone that's out of network, you can do submit a super bill for third party reimbursement. So you pay for the service out of pocket and then get reimbursed after the fact for a certain percentage. So like for out of network, then that could even happen with doctors. Like when we, when I went to have my third child, I wanted a place that welcomed um, midwives. So then I had to go out of network (laughs) to a hospital that still allowed them, but it was then so expensive to do that so the service yeah was my was the birth of my child covered yes but it was covered out of network so then i had to pay more because these deals are being made so it's just a lot for people to keep up with and to figure out especially like when you're sick oh yeah definitely it's complicated if it ever comes to pass (laughs) that they license nature pass in the state of Ohio. Will you take insurance? And you probably should touch upon what it means to not be licensed so people don't get confused about right. what that means about you as a practitioner and your abilities. Yeah. So as a naturopathic doctor, in general, any kind of healthcare profession is regulated by the state. So even though MDs and DOs and even chiropractors are licensed across all 50 states, it's still by state that those licenses are granted and their the their scope of practice can be different granted conventional medicine it's definitely all very standardized because it's been the same right. for a long time but chiropractic can vary by state to state by state based on what their licensing laws are oh so some chiropractors may be able to do a lot more than others 
Oh, so they limit what they can do, even if they've had the same education as a chiropractor in another state. Correct. When that, which would also impact fees and reimbursement, of course. Right, right. So with naturopathic medicine, we're a lot farther behind the curve than the chiropractic medicine because okay. naturopathic doctors, I think we're licensed about 23 states and about half of that is we're actual primary care doctors. So like around 12 of those states were primary care doctors. But what that means is that the state recognizes us to, to be a uh, health professional, and we have a certain scope of practice in the states where we are not licensed, it doesn't mean that naturopathic doctors can't practice. It just means we're kind of in a gray area. Which is where we are here in Ohio. Exactly. So I may, I've been in, this is my 23rd year of practice here in Ohio, and I'm able to, I think of myself more as a specialist in natural medicine. So people still have to see their primary care doctor and any other specialists that they need for their regular health care, but then they can come to me to get their natural medicine end of things. That makes sense. That's a good way to look at it. And that's probably how you explain it to people when they're very confused Right. that you have a degree, you have a medical degree in naturopathic medicine, but my insurance doesn't cover it. And they get mad and upset. And then they, I'm sure they take it out on the staff and they're very confused. You know what, though? I would say that most of the new patients that call into schedule sort of figure that they the insurance know. isn't going to cover it. And they well they've probably also had experience with their insurance companies where they thought something should be covered and isn't or right. they've noticed the steep climb in um their deductible or their premiums or their out of pocket. Like we're seeing this now oh, like yeah. across the board we're seeing it. So would you take insurance if you cuz you don't have to even just because right. you have a license or you are licensed in the state of Ohio meaning you could bill insurance and get that instead of taking the check from the patient. You could get it from the insurance company themselves. The patients that have that, would you do it? The short answer is no. Why not? Because there's a lot of pieces that go into that. I mean, when we look at that, the reimbursement is going to be based on, save it's even level with an MD. Right. Same visit. Yeah. The same insurance visit. companies, okay, you're taking your first visit with Dr. Ted Suzellis over here. You're taking your first visit with an MD. Right. We're looking at them the same. Exactly. And so I'm going to get reimbursed the, the same, as, same as that guy. And my initial visit is 90 minutes. Their initial visit might be 20 minutes. Big difference. Big difference. So I'm going to, I'm going to get reimbursed an awful lot lower rate, even though Mm -hmm. they're paying the same for a visit, but I can see much less patients in my office or even the follow-ups. I spend 45 minutes with a patient and then they, maybe they see somebody in five minutes or 10 minutes. So of course that reimbursement is going to be totally different. Because reimbursement is by visit. Right. 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 People need to understand that a reimbursement is by the visit. So yes, of course, if you're taking so much longer per visit, your hourly rate is a lot less. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly that changes everything. It'd be very hard to help people in the way that you really, you need to help people that way. Yeah. The way you practice. It would definitely tie my hands. And Mm -hmm. uh, I've always been really honest with patients about this if they ask. And I never want to put my patients nor my family in this, that position where I have to decide either A, 
I don't spend anywhere near as much time as I really need to pr- properly take care of the patient, but I'm doing that so that I can pay the bills and keep my family afloat right. or make sure I spend the time that I need to take care of the patients, but then I can't pay my bills. Yes, that is a dilemma. Right. And also, I think what people, the dilemma that you have, when something is covered by insurance, the insurance is your marketer, right? Right. It is driving the patients. You don't see doctors having to talk a lot about what they do or how they do it. The drug companies also help them with that Mm -hmm. with by putting their commercials out. But the insurance company is such a driver. And because you don't have that, you have to do a lot more of the messaging about what you do yourself. And I think that could be really hard for some naturopaths who aren't maybe as comfortable with it as you are. So I can see it being a tough decision and yeah. I, I can see it going either way. But from what I know about you personally, I think that would be a trade-off that you wouldn't want to make for yourself right. because people are really paying for your time and attention, expertise, all of it. Yeah. And sometimes you just want that. You want what, like when I've sought out alternative practitioners, it didn't, when I was sick and really needed it, it didn't matter if it was covered because I know I'm paying for something that I find value. It, just because the insurance company doesn't find it valuable doesn't mean I don't find it valuable. Right. And those things are very tied up, I think, in people's minds. Mm-hmm. If it's not covered, it's not valuable. If it's not covered, it's not valid. Right. Yeah. Right. But, but also the other piece of that, too, is even once we're licensed in Ohio, which is going to happen. Oh, you think? Oh, yeah. It'll definitely happen. Uh when I started medical school in 97, I think there were either seven or nine states that were licensed. Now, like I said, now there's about 23. Okay. It works out to about one new state every other year. And sometimes they might have a, a longer lull and then you get a couple mm-hmm. closer together. Uh, but the thing is, once we do get licensed, when we have that, deci- that decision about taking insurance, people will still be able to get some Reimbursement, like we talked about with that third party reimbursement, we right. can still submit, they can pay out of pocket and then submit the super bill to their insurance to get a partial reimbursement. Which is better than nothing. Exactly. So that's a good compromise, actually. Yeah. yeah. So there are reasons that the powers that be give to why integrative therapies are covered much less than conventional therapies. And um, you and I can break these down, Ted. The reasons cited, lack of evidence of cost effectiveness, lack of scientific evidence, regulatory challenges. And I love this one, and we'll go through them blow by blow, but people are already willing to pay, so why should we cover it? The people are paying uh, for it already. So lack of scientific evidence argument. So this is an argument the insurance company would put forth. We can't possibly cover that because there is a lack of scientific evidence. What do you say to that? When you talk about scientific evidence, Mm -hmm. we're looking at research studies. And the way for people that are (laughs) non-medical, if you want to look up research studies, you go to PubMed, the website PubMed. Yes. And if you go to PubMed and type in complementary medicine, meaning which is an umbrella of all different natural medicine, Mm -hmm. you will find 32,629 clinical studies and meta-analysis studies on complementary medicine, including 16,307 from the last 10 years. Hmm. So there, there is some research there. Yes. And 
some things are more than others. Pretty much all of your different herbs and vitamins have been studied extensively over the years. Which is funny because I don't know that people know that. Right, right. So one of my favorite herbs that I use a lot in my practice is an herb called ashwagandha. And if you go to that same PubMed and do a search for ashwagandha, you'll find that there are 42 clinical clinical studies and nine meta-analysis studies that have all happened within since 2000. And shows its effectiveness. Right. But that would not be covered. Right. Right. Even if you went to somebody that was covered, this, the visit was covered, say with you, say you had ability to be reimbursed, the product would not necessarily follow, correct? Correct. Because a doctor, whatever they write for, is covered or not covered. But for the most part, those prescriptions, those medications are Mm -hmm. covered, but it wouldn't be the same with the herbs. Right. But we're talking about scientific evidence that the therapies are valid. Right. Because whether they're paying for the ashwagandha or not, they're looking at, oh, well, these people are prescribing herbs and there's no real evidence that herbs are effective. Right. So we shouldn't cover these doctors. Right. Oh, very interesting that they're lumping that all together. Right. But you can you can see why. It makes it easy for them to make that decision. Yeah, the lack of scientific evidence that's considered the gold standard of treatment, right? And right. some of the dominating systems. So I think about that and it always makes me laugh because if you really do a deep dive of course, which, of course, I have because I work with people with anxiety and depression into the efficacy for anti-anxiety, antidepressant medications. And it's just, is there a lot of evidence that, that those work in a certain subset of people? Yes, we could break that down. But to say across the board, scientifically speaking, are these considered as efficacious for moderate depression as dietary changes or even exercise, all that data on exercise, the answer is no, but they've been used and used. So I think it's hard to go back and say, okay, from now on, I'm a big insurance company and I'm going to look at all the data. Someone's going to dig into that and say, oh, you know what? These things really aren't, these prescription medications aren't really effective for this group of people for this disease state. So we're going to go back and stop covering them. There'd be an outcry. I think that argument, people just need to be aware that's not an argument that is about validity of a treatment or efficacy of a treatment, really. Yeah. It's just simply not. How about this? Cost effectiveness. These kinds of therapies are too expensive. So the insurance companies are like, we don't want to cover it because it's too expensive. So what's your take on that? Yeah, that's an argument for against that it is a lot more difficult because there is a lot less research looking at specific research on cost, cost effect, effectiveness, not just effectiveness. Does no. this work for X, Y, and Z, but is this a cost, cost effective, effective strategy to treat X, right. Y, and Z? And comparing it to conventional medicine, because oh, obviously in order to, that. to be yeah. cost effective, it needs to be cheaper than if you're giving treatment to somebody with conventional medicine. Well, that's tough then. Right. And so there are some studies, like there's a a study from Blue Shield of Washington that was looking for naturopathic doctors. And they found that naturopathic doctors would actually reduce the cost of treating chronic and stress-related illness up to 40% and cut the cost of specialist utilization up by 30%. And specialists are so expensive. Right. 
Right. That would be a that would be a large savings for the insurance company. Exactly. So that argument, maybe there that's well, that's definitely some some evidence against that argument. But I just right. think it's that same argument, like, oh, it's just too expensive. So we'll But just that also keep comes that. down to that's Blue Shield of Washington. Yeah. And now Washington State is one of those states that is fully covered by for naturopathic medicine just like conventional medicine. So they have the data. Right. We wouldn't have that data because insurance company, because you don't bill insurance, no naturopath in Ohio bills insurance. There's no data gathered by the insurance companies. Right. And they're the ones that are interested in the cost savings because exactly. they're paying the bills mm-hmm. for people that are sick. And a chronic illness, stress-related illnesses will cost a, a, a small fortune right. down the road. So that argument of um, the money savings, yeah, that's a great study, but would only be duplicatable in the states that have. Another argument, why... Alternative complementary care is not covered are is regulatory challenges. Yeah. And so we touched on this already with naturopathic medicine, how every state is licensed differently. So that's what we're talking about. Regulatory changes in differences is how different professions are licensed in each state. So we already pretty yeah. much went over naturopathic mm-hmm. medicine and how there are only 12 states that actually fully license us specifically to be able to accept insurance. But that the licensure for different types of other therapies varies. Well, then on that note, who license who in the state? It's the government, or right. is it? It's the, the state government. The yes. state government decides whether or not insurance something is coverable by insurance. So, well, the state you have to have the legislature in the state pass a bill that first licenses the okay. the profession, but in that bill. They have to have some kind of clause or add in later a clause to say that they can accept insurance or the insurance providers have to cover it. So who traditionally drives that? Is it the nature pass themselves? Is it the people who are driving these kinds of changes? Like you said, you right. so many more states since you graduated have licensed nature pass. Yeah. So it's definitely the nature pass. They are leading states. the charge. Yes. Right, okay. right. And then trying to create a groundswell in public sentiment to, to help push it forward, too. And so in that regard, so you, so it's the practitioners themselves that are pushing for it, but you yourself say you wouldn't necessarily, you don't care if it, if you have licensure and reimbursement. So why do you think they want it? I would assume it's for status and to not have to keep explaining to people why I don't take insurance. It seems like it puts you in a different status. Is Mm -hmm. that the reason why your peers in other states are pushing for it? No, but in in some of those states, they just they want to be yes they want to be on the same playing yeah, field. I can see and I that. do see some of my peers, especially in licensed states, that we we did a four year medical school too. We should have the same rights and privileges. I can see that, but also it comes down to like you talked about the insurance companies help to build your practice and bring the people into the doors. So. For someone like myself who is spend a lot of time building my practice, uh, for one, I'm not going to see extra patients in the door. I'm I'm about as much as I can get, um, but I would then be forced to take a pay cut because I would my reimbursement would be a lot lower than my self pay rate. Right. So that probably balances out, and I can see nature pass being like just to not have to worry about that piece. Well, like, and it's also, I we're in a state of Ohio where you have, what, 13 million people and 40-some naturopathic doctors. 
You compare that to Arizona, where I went to medical school, mm-hmm. and you maybe have six million people, but fifteen hundred or two thousand naturopathic doctors. Oh. It's a lot more saturated, so they have to do an awful lot. Some of them have to do an awful lot more just to pay the bills and get patients in the door. But there's more of them because they are licensed? Right. Like the, yes. Yeah, and because they are primary care doctors there, so right. people can choose which yes. one. Yes. But still, when you look at the profession as a whole, there's a lot more competition. And so yeah. if you accept insurance, and plus it also, it's one of those things where you re- in Washington, say for instance, you have to accept insurance because people are just used to it. Oh, So, I mean, a few people that are really good and really people really want their services, they've created a real niche. Then they can go without going with people paying them. But everyone else, why do I want to see you? Because my insurance covers all of these other doctors that are still within a five-mile radius of me. Yeah, that's so interesting because with us in Ohio, I think like the Akron, Canton, Cleveland area, we've got amazing alternative practitioners here, Mm -hmm. complementary practitioners. A lot of them aren't covered. And those of us who are kind of into a different approach to our health and wellness, we're just used to it. Right. We we kind of factor that into our lifestyle, right? I factored that in. What what kind of house am I going to live in? What am I going to be driving? What's my health care going to cost? Like we put our money in basically food, medicine, and education. Mm -hmm. Like that's, but not everybody thinks that way, but I do think in a state like ours, you're going to get more people that are just accepting of it and used to it. Right. Yeah. And I love this. Like I just said, people are willing to pay for it. So the insurance companies are like, well, why should we pay for something that they're already willing to pay for? Because we know it's one of those things that are really driven by the public, because we know what works and what doesn't work. And of course, we're going to, it cuts our health, our child's health. What could possibly be more important? Wait, I'm going to let you dictate whether or not my kid gets a therapy or whatever. It's not covered, so he's not going to get it. No, No. of course, I'm going to pay whatever to whomever if it's going to be effective. Yeah, that's really interesting. And now I think, too, the big shift with HSA accounts, like you can then, at least it's pre-tax dollars, put that aside. And I've seen a big change. They'll cover a lot of things, too. So Mm -hmm. even though much of what I do, the health care that I get for me and my family isn't covered so much more than I ever thought would be covered by my HSA account which is a great thing. Yeah, and and that's the same with naturopathic medicine. I mean, a lot of the times the HSAs will cover visits to a naturopathic doctor and supplements. In Ohio? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. (laughs) I should retroactively go back to my visits with you, Ted. I was looking at my HSA account. I want to do some Agascu therapy. And of course, there's no one here that can do it. And Mm -hmm. so I found a guy in California. He does these virtual visits with AI. Another topic. Can I take it out of my HSA? He goes, many people do. And I'm like, let me look into this. And the things that I found were covered on my HSA, like... Spiritual healers. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? I did not know that spiritual healing was covered. I could take that out of my HSA. Who knew? Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. An HSA, you are putting money aside 
For me. For you. For what I think is going to work. Exactly. And that's yeah. what the, that's the beauty of it. Yes. So if you have a high deductible health plan where. Which I do. You, you're just, ha- you, that's basically just in case. Of an emergency. Of emergency. Right. Exactly. <laughs> you're going to pay for everything out of pocket. Right. And then you put that's that. That's what I do. Pre-tax money into mm-hmm. your HSA and pay for all of your services that way. That has been a good thing yeah. to see that change and grow and expand right. because right. it wasn't that long ago. I wanted acupuncture for something like 25 years ago. Couldn't take it out of my HSA. Yeah. Now you can. Yeah. Um, and it, it just puts it puts the power into the people. Power to the people. Yes. <laughs> and, and let's you know. And I think it's also very valuable because it lets people are when you're paying for it out of pocket, you're much. For one, you get to be a much choosier. Yeah. Uh, but you also then are going to work a lot harder. Yeah, because I paid for it out of pocket. Yeah. So the statistics, go over the statistics about what people are, because it's just not me, folks. It's just no. not me that is paying out of pocket or you if you hire alternative practitioners for yourself. Yeah. So people in the United States pay $14.7 billion for visits to complementary and integrative medicine doctors. billion for dietary supplements and natural products, and $2.7 billion on self-care like homeopathic remedies and holistic resources. I think it's interesting how the money for dietary supplements and natural products is so close to the number for the doctors themselves, which tells me they're probably purchasing these things outside of a licensed doctor, which right. in the allopathic system, you cannot do. You no. can just not come up to my pharmacy and say, I like some Prozac. And I right. would say, where's your prescription? I don't have one. I just want some. Yeah. Where you can just buy the supplements. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Yeah. But interestingly enough, there's always a push to make vitamins and herbs prescription only. Yes. Yeah, you always see those. Oh, I know. Those different things. And so you look in like Germany Mm-hmm. You can't buy vitamin C without a doctor's prescription. I know that would be bad here. Yeah, I yeah, like we wouldn't that deal freedom. with that. I like, and we and they've threatened that even in the couple decades that I've been using it, that's come up, and we always band together and fight that. Right, that would be awful. Even though insurance coverage may be lacking for therapies you're receiving, you may be able to use your FSA account. What? How else do people pay for alternative? Medicine. That's it, right? HSA account. Is there any other thing you can think of that well, makes it? So HSA, so health savings account. Health, so that's yes, a personal account. That. Yes. There's the FSA. Yes. What's that? Uh, that's. I'm trying to remember exactly exactly what it stands yeah, for. Yeah. But it's basically FSAs are typically money that's put aside by the employer. Oh. So. And what it means. So it's not my money, it's the employer's money saying we, the the, the enlightened employer wants you to stay well so that you show up for work. Right. Every day and do a darn good job. So they're going to put away, put aside money for things that their plan that they've chosen Mm -hmm. for you doesn't cover. Yeah. And I'm going to work for that company. So with those plans, it's definitely a lot more stringent. Yes, because they're paying for it. Right. Right. And it's also money that goes away at the end of the year if you don't use it. Ah, so we're in HSA. It just keeps building correct. if you don't use it. And eventually it ro- rolls over into an IRA account where you can use it in retirement without any tax. Yes, which I think is great. Yeah. So of all of the things that we have to be upset about when it comes to what's covered and what's not covered, I think that is such a great thing because it gives, like you said, power to the people, gives me options and choices. And the fact that I decided to read the fine print, now I know of all these things that are covered and I can just go have fun and visit all these alternative practitioners. I think it's good to know, I think, as a person, 
why things are covered and why they're not covered to really understand that it really has little to do with efficacy. If we're talking about real healthcare practitioners yeah. and not other things that are a bit more on the fringe. Right. Like the things that my plan covered, like spiritual healing. Like that would be a <laughs> tough one. We're never going to have a study on it. It's, right. Maybe there's some gifted healer that has some abilities. We're mm-hmm. never going to see that. But it's just good to know why. So you are educated on that and can do a little bit of a deeper dive for yourself and consider what's important for you and your family. Right. Yeah. I don't think I even had insurance for the longest time because I was paying out of pocket for everything. Well, yeah, emergency mm-hmm. high deductible. And you set that money aside. And I, I don't know, you do that for so long. And to me, it's just like a way of life. I, I don't, for me personally, I don't question why things aren't covered. I remember I had a patient once and she really needed a naturopath. I mean, I've been taking care of this patient. Her medications changed and she's never well. And it was all digestive, all roads led. And I'm like, what you really need as a naturopath, I can give you a name. This is what you need. It's not covered by my insurance. It's not covered. It's not covered. And that was always her reason. And I would always Mm -hmm. bring it up. Because that's really, truly what I believe what she needed. Yeah. I don't recommend this for everybody. I only have so much time at the drive-thru. And then she came back to me. I hadn't seen her for a while. I'm like, what's going on with you? Still very sick, this and that. She had spent, oh my goodness, she gave me a number and I couldn't even fathom the number of the thousands of dollars she spent on a faith healer. <laughs> I'm not here to knock faith no. healers. I'm just saying how interesting it was to me to hear her say that because she wouldn't hire a naturopath who'd gone to school and had credentials and and, and was doing things that weren't that far off. You can wander around the aisles and see herbs and supplements. But she would spend that kind of money on that person, clearly not covered. So I think what I would, what I have told people is to not just think about what's covered, what's not covered, but think about like where your values are and what you really mm-hmm. want for yourself. Like to just try to break away from that a little bit. Yeah. And there's really solid reasons to break away that we delineated. Like the reasons they tell you they're not covering, some of them are not valid. No. There are studies. There are there is cost effectiveness data. Right. There are regulatory issues. There are other forces at play here. So it's not always about money. It's probably very rarely about money. I say that <laughs> all the time. And I think that is a good wrap up because I just wrapped up that whole slide. All right. So so if you want to know more about Dr. Ted's services, you can visit his website at ohionaturopathic.com. You've got articles on there. You've got videos on there because that's part of how you have to reach out since insurance companies aren't driving people to you. But if you're interested in my services, you can find me at, you can shoot me an email, marysheehan at gmail.com. Thank you for listening. Please like and subscribe to our channel. Leave a comment if you'd like about what you would like us to take on next. Thank you. Thank you for joining us for this podcast. Mary and Dr. Ted want to remind you to use the internet wisely and to always be sure to consult with your medical provider with any questions or concerns that you may have as you work towards your wellness goals. We look forward to sharing more content with you soon. Thanks for listening.